All right, going live on YouTube. All right, going live on YouTube. Going live on YouTube. Okay. Hopefully I have closed or stopped any streams. I heard myself. I think we're good now. So let's switch over now. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, looks like we got a couple folks in the chat already. Uh, welcome to the deep dive. And as uh, some of you may or may not know yet, this is going to be a little bit different, uh, dif different uh, type of deep dive. Today we're talking about all things CircuitPython libraries. And as you can see on the screen there, we have a special guest host today, Katni. Um, so let's do a brief introduction about the show, just because we do have new folks that tune in sometimes. So. Uh, on this show, we are going to be working with, uh, or talking about in this case, CircuitPython-related things. If you don't know what CircuitPython is, uh, the best place to head is circuitpython.org, and you can learn more there. Uh, but basically, this is a version of Python that runs on tiny computers called microcontrollers. Uh, and, ooh, what is this? Okay, interesting. Maybe my hotkeys don't work for switching. That's all right, we can switch like this. I actually have one right here. So we're writing Python code that runs on devices like this. This one is a PyPortal Titano. It has a nice big uh, touchscreen on it, but it also has an accelerometer and a NeoPixel, uh, a couple other things on the back. Uh, we're writing Python code that runs on little devices like this. And there's all different shapes and sizes. I tend to like playing uh, with ones that have screens on them. But if you do head over to circuitpython.org and you go to the downloads page, um, you can take a look at all the different devices that we can write this Python code for. And you can see that there are lots of different shapes and sizes and form factors of these things. So we're writing Python code on here to interface with other hardware, um, like sensors and lights and buzzers and beepers and screens and pretty much anything that you can connect, um, you know, any electrical component, we're able to connect to these devices and then use Python code to control it. Um, so, uh, Katni, I think probably most folks that are watching will know who you are, but just in case there are some that don't, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do for Circuit Sure. Um, so I'm Katni. I uh, am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. Uh, primarily, I work on the Python side which means I uh, work on coordinating the libraries and coordinating uh, new contributors as well. And um, I, uh, I have d uh, gotten into the core a little bit, but most of the time that requires a lot of help. Um, but the Python side of things, not so much. Um, I've been working with Adafruit since 2017, which is also when I started with programming in electronics. So it all happened pretty quickly. Um, but since then, I've picked up a lot of different um, re uh, responsibilities at Adafruit. But including that is um, included in that rather is uh, coordinating all of the libraries. So that's why uh, it made a lot of sense for me to guest today. 
um, because uh, you're talking about my world. Indeed. Yeah, we are. And uh, definitely thank you very much for joining. I think it'll be great for folks to be able to hear from you while we talk about uh, lots of this library related stuff. Um, so let's catch up and say hello to some folks in the chat over on YouTube. Uh, Amtout Mousa, Paul Julinik, and M4TK. Uh, let's see some on Discord as well who have jumped in. Gordy G, Zarnalin, Seagrover, uh, Ask Patrick W. Um, Ask Patrick W asked about Twitch stream. Uh, in my experience, the YouTube one tends to be a little bit ahead of the Twitch one, but I think it might be different for different folks. Uh, kind of an echo. Let's see, hopefully it's not too bad. Double check a couple of settings. I don't think there is... I'm not hearing any echo, but I'm also not hearing the stream. Uh, Patrick W and Mark Gambler. Uh, so hello to you folks. Thanks for joining us. Um, and like I mentioned before, this will be a bit of a different episode. Normally on the deep dives, I just jump right in and start working on something, uh, oftentimes in a CircuitPython library or project. Um, but today we're going to kind of take a step back and talk a little bit more um, about the meta, if you will, about libraries themselves, what they are, what we do with them, why they're helpful, um, how you can write your own, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I let's see we are on the one without the screen so let's go to the screen as well um, I have a couple of slides uh, it's nothing crazy there's like nine slides here with some talking points that we will hit um, I have this as a PDF which I will try to share in the um, discord if anybody wants to grab it for any reason I think this will let me upload a PDF right yeah there we go uh, so I put that PDF and uh, we'll kind of bounce back and forth between that and a couple of different web pages and different stuff like this. Um, no echo on this end of the YouTube stream. Perfect. Thanks, C. Grover. I appreciate the heads up. Oh, and Gordy G as well says not anymore. So it looks like we got it taken care of. Um, so CircuitPython libraries, like uh, Katni mentioned, these are uh, sort of the Python level of CircuitPython. So this is a great place for folks who are new uh, but want to get involved. Um, you know, C code, which is what the core of CircuitPython is written in, tends to be a bit of a steeper learning curve than Python. Uh, Python is actually a really great language for beginners, um, you know, in no small part because of things like CircuitPython, but there are lots of other Python projects as well that um, tend to be much easier for beginners to pick up than something like uh, diving all the way into C code. So um, this is a great place for folks that want to get started. Uh, as we go through, uh, I have a couple of different links pulled up in this PDF, and so I'll just show you and we'll talk about kind of the pages. The first one is the libraries page here on circuitpython.org. This is where you can learn a little bit about the library uh, bundles and about libraries in general, and this is also where you can come to download the current version of the libraries. Um, oh, and I will mention as well for folks, this is definitely a two-way street. So if you have questions for me or you have questions for Katni, or you have questions about getting involved or anything uh, CircuitPython or uh, library related, please feel free to drop them in one of the chats. Uh, and we'll try to keep an eye on the chats and answer any questions that come up. Uh, so let's head back here. This was kind of our front page. And uh, so first up is kind of the, the bit of news, the, the congratulations that's in order for the community. This is kind of um, why it made sense, I think, to do this stream right now. 
Um, there's a couple other things we'll talk about as well that kind of fit the timeline pretty well, but um, just this past uh, Thursday, we actually reached a milestone of 350 libraries uh, published for CircuitPython. So this is between the Adafruit library bundle, uh, which are the officially supported libraries um, that Adafruit uh, pays folks to work on, as well as the community uh, library bundle, which is where just members of the community can submit their own libraries for other people to use. Um, so uh, with all of those added together, we just recently crossed that threshold of 350, uh, which is amazing. Um, and uh, definitely want to give thanks to anyone who has contributed uh, over the years, whether you contributed to a library directly or you left a review, or even if you just came into the Discord and asked about something, uh, raised an idea, you know, hey, it would be neat if, that sort of thing. Um, you know, definitely appreciate everyone who's been involved at every level in helping us get to here. Um, and I will mention too, Katni, uh, anytime, if anything comes to mind for you, feel free to, uh, to jump in. Um, will do. So the first thing to think about is like, why do we have so many libraries? We're up to 350. Why are these things so helpful to us? Um, and why do we keep making more of them? The gist of it is basically because the microcontrollers that we're using, uh, while they are more or less basically just little computers, uh, they are little computers. They have relatively few resources compared to, you know, like a desktop or a laptop computer or even something like a Raspberry Pi. Um, we have very small um, amounts of storage. We have relatively little amounts of RAM. Uh, CPU power is also tends to be smaller, although that doesn't matter as much for this purpose. Um, but basically, we don't have a lot of room to work with. Uh, some of these devices have less than a meg of storage. Some of the larger ones are up to like 8 or 16 megs of storage, um, which is a lot for a microcontroller. But if you're used to normally sized files on a PC, um, then you'll probably know, you know, 8 or 16 megs is, is really not that big. Um, so having all of these libraries allows us to have more functionality uh, for different pieces of hardware than we could actually fit on the boards. Um, basically, the core of CircuitPython contains sort of all of the, the essence of what we need in order to write this Python code. Um, but the libraries are kind of like a layer built on top of the core that allows us to talk to different specific pieces of hardware. Um, so if you have a particular you know, accelerometer or term, uh, temperature sensor or something like that, you need to have a driver in order to be able to communicate with it to get data out of it. Uh, and that's where the libraries come in. And it wouldn't make sense necessarily for us to put that code that allows that particular piece of hardware to work on every single device, because lots of devices and lots of projects will never uh, connect up to that particular sensor. So it would just be taking up extra space that is not actually adding anything um, to the device or the projects that it's used on. So libraries allow us to have kind of like optional pieces of code. We can write libraries, add them to our device as needed. So you can delete all the libraries uh, from your own device when you're not using them for a particular project. Um, and you can load up just the ones you need, which allows you to um, you know, interact with your own specific hardware, but not have so much stuff on your device. Uh, it's also worth noting um, that we have helper libraries as well, which are not tied necessarily to a piece of hardware but are tied to a feature or um, some kind of uh, wrapper library around something else. And so those aren't tied to hardware, but it does make um, working with CircuitPython 
uh, more fun and have additional features that aren't necessarily in the core. And also, again, you only need to use them when you are actually using that feature. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. Yep, our two kind of high level uh, buckets, if you will, for the libraries are drivers and helpers. And so the drivers tend to be like a specific peripheral like I was talking about, uh, and then the helpers are more general, uh, something that will allow you to do things on any board. Um, lots of our display IO uh, libraries like that are kind of filed under the helpers. Um, so that's what libraries are. Uh, let me take a quick second to catch up on the chat here. And again, if anybody has questions or anything, feel free to throw them into the chat. So uh, I'll also say hi to a couple of the new folks that have popped in, Charles Berniford, uh, Vita Giraff, uh, Paul Schulenick, maybe I said hi to you before as well, uh, Randall Bone, and Johnny, uh, Johnny Bergdahl. Thanks to all of you folks for coming and hanging out with us today. I can answer Seagrover's question. Um, the difference between a driver and a library is that some libraries are drivers. It's sort of a subset thing. Um, drivers refer more to something that allows you to work with hardware. Um, so helper libraries might not necessarily be a driver. Uh, so there is a difference, but it's sort of that drivers are a smaller part of the total libraries. Yeah, great question as well, Seagrover. Um... So on the next page here, I have information about the library bundles. So the way that Adafruit distributes the libraries um, and the way that Adafruit uh, encourages other folks, members of the community, and even other, uh, other organizations to um, distribute library, libraries is inside of bundles. Um, so right now there are three existing library bundles. Um, the Adafruit library bundle is the one that holds all the libraries that are officially supported by uh, Adafruit employees um, and folks that Adafruit pays to work on them. Within the Adafruit library bundle, we do have those two high-level buckets, the drivers and the helpers. Uh, and I'll pull up the web page for it here as well, and I'll drop this link in the chat too. I'll try to get in the habit here of dropping all the links that I load up uh, in the chat. And then uh, another thing I'll do is maybe go back after the fact and uh, include them in some show notes on uh, YouTube so that folks can follow through from them there as well. Uh, so let's load this one up. This one is the Adafruit Library Bundle. And one thing that's nice about this is that the uh, Library Bundle is actually just a Git repository. So um, the Library Bundle, while it does hold a bunch of other libraries, uh, is kind of structured similarly to the libraries themselves. This is just a, you know, quote unquote, ordinary GitHub repository that has some code in it. Um, the magic is in the sub modules. So inside of this library folders, we have those two high level buckets, the drivers and the helpers. Uh, and inside each of those are what are called a bunch of sub modules, which are basically just links to other repositories. So each one of these things linked here, uh, essentially is a link out to a different library. If I click on one of them, it'll take me over to this other repository. This one happens to be for GPS, but obviously there are loads and loads of these, uh, 350 at this point, um, and they all do different things. Uh, and this is the same when you download the library bundle from uh, circuitpython.org libraries. You download the bundle from here, like this MPY bundle or the Python source bundle, uh, or even the examples as well. This is ultimately kind of pulling a, uh, a compiled version of this repository. Uh, it's all zipped up together for you. You can download it and then you can copy your libraries from there. 
so let's see. Let's head back to here. Oop, let's head back to this one. And let's see. So that's the Adafruit library bundle. The, the next one is the community library bundle. And this is where uh, individual members of the community can contribute their own libraries uh, and share them with others. Uh, so I'll link up this one as well. It's, it's structured very similarly. So the repository for it basically looks and acts the same way as the uh, Adafruit library bundle. It's just that this one has different sub-projects linked up to it. And these ones are not necessarily supported by Adafruit. Uh, they are created and maintained by individuals uh, that are members of the community. So I'll link this one in the Discord as well. Uh. And while we suggest uh, using our cookie cutter to generate the base files for a library that you submit to the community bundle, um, anybody is welcome to submit a library. So if you have a piece of hardware that Adafruit doesn't carry and you write a CircuitPython library for it, submit it to the community bundle. There are other people who probably have that same piece of hardware and would love to be able to use it. Same for helper libraries. If you write a helper library with a feature that Adafruit hasn't supported in the Adafruit bundle, um, submit it to the community bundle. Yeah, definitely. There is lots of great stuff in here. It is uh, similarly broken out into drivers and helpers. And inside there, you can see it works basically the same. It's just a list, just like the other one was. Uh, technically, these are what are called Git submodules. Uh, but again, it's kind of fancy lingo. It's essentially just a link to another repository. It allows you to have uh, a, a, a main repository and then link other, um, you know, sort of subset repositories inside of it, if you will. Um, so you can see all of the different great stuff that folks, uh, members of the community, just like everybody watching here today, um, this is all stuff contributed by individual members of the community. Uh, and I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think one of the community libraries was our 350th. Uh, do you recall, Kenny, if that's- I do, it, it was. I don't remember the library, but I do remember the contributor. It was Tech Trick. Nice, okay, yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking that might be the case. I think I saw it go by in the Git timeline there, the message about it, so. Uh, huge, huge thank you, by the way, to Tectric, who has done a bunch of amazing work on the libraries lately. Um, I want to say maybe the last, like, I don't know, four or five months or something like that is, uh, is around the time when Tectric first started uh, popping up into the Discord and contributing and coming to the meetings and stuff. And they have done uh, so much really good work across a ton of different libraries. Um, so that's actually really cool that they um, were the one to hit that 350 mark. For sure. And I will have stuff come up that I need done in the libraries and Tectric jumps on it, uh, which is amazing because we don't always have the cycles to do um, non-critical things to the libraries. And so a lot of this stuff that would normally languish is happening and it's just great to see. Yeah, really echo that. Let's see. Catch up here on the YouTube chat a little bit. Is there the bundle install used to be copy everything to your device? Yep. Uh, Devices, uh, drivers also help smooth over, over the differences between hardware. Yeah, that's a really good point as well uh, in the YouTube chat there, Beta. Um, yeah, especially the way that we write our libraries, we tend to, there, there's a, um, what is it called? Like a style guideline. Uh, we'll pull that up here in a little while, actually. I think it'll be good to look at. Um, but there's a style guideline, and when we create new libraries, we tend to structure them in a very, you know, concrete, similar way. That way they all function um, the same. So for instance, like if you want to make a project with an accelerometer, 
uh, and you know you buy your accelerometer and you, you use it for a while and then down the line you know you want to make a second one or something like that uh, but your accelerometer is no longer available right chip shortage this is the the reality of the world right now um, you know probably you can just pick up a different accelerometer that is available swap out the library and then the rest of the code tends to remain the same because we adhere um, to those guidelines when we create the libraries to keep everything similar between libraries that do um, similar things such as interfacing with an accelerometer or uh, any other type of sensor or anything like that. Um, let's jump back here. So the that was the community bundle. That's the second one of the bundles. And then the third one, which is the newest one uh, and the one with the, the least amount of things in it so far is the CircuitPython org library. So on GitHub, uh, they have things called uh, organizations, which is basically what the uh, the Adafruit, like if you want to find an Adafruit library, you know, you go github.com slash Adafruit, uh, and then the name of the library there. Uh, so in that case, Adafruit is the organization. There's also a CircuitPython organization, um, which is more community-based. This was something that was uh, Scott's idea to spin up this. Um, Scott's the lead developer of CircuitPython. He's out right now. Um, but I think he's probably coming back in a couple of weeks or something like that. But um, this was kind of his idea to put together a, a separate bundle that is also for community contributed libraries, uh, but it is for more like groups of people to work on. So we have a team of folks that work on um, Display.io uh, related libraries, and there's probably four or five of us at this point. Um, and, you know, folks come and go as, as time goes on, um, but all of us are kind of, you know, interested in helping maintaining and creating um, Display.io libraries. So we all kind of got together, uh, created a group inside this org, and this is the bundle where all of those uh, libraries that are supported by, again, multiple people within the community. The, the big difference between this one and the community bundle is um, the fact that it's not necessarily just an individual who's publishing a library, but there are um, you know, multiple folks who are willing to help create and share and maintain the library. Um, so that's what goes on inside this one. Uh, let me go, let's see, back to the PDF here. Let's see what we got on the next one. Installing libraries. Okay, so um, most folks uh, who are watching are probably going to be familiar with this, but I thought it would be good just to show a couple of the different options um, for how you can get libraries installed. Uh, also, we do have a question in the Discord there. Let's see, is there a document that lists... All of the libraries, uh, a description of each module in a library and an example. Um, yeah, that's, let's see the docs page. I'll pull this up too as well so we can all see it here. Let's see. Uh, I think it's the closest to what you're asking for. Um, the description of each module in a library and example code on using it is contained within the documentation for that individual library. And this list, uh, as far as I know, links to the documentation for each library. Wow, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this page. This page is super handy because they're all separated into um, categories yep. and stuff. And when you add a library to the Adafruit CircuitPython bundle, this is part of that uh, process is adding that new library to this list um, where it goes so that we don't have to have someone else go through and try and figure out everything that's missing. It's actually required as part of the um, process to add a new library. Yeah, nice. I know bookmark this page because I will definitely find a use for this in the future, I'm sure. It's bad about remembering where all of these different pages are at. Yeah, so this is perfect. Yeah, you can scroll through here and see a list of all the libraries and then you can click through each one. Um, 
to read more about the description of that particular library. And then we do, uh, on the topic of examples, all of the Adafruit libraries uh, will have a folder inside of them called examples where we put example code. So, um, you know, the most basic ones, we will always include at least one simple test, um, but lots of the libraries have more than one example as well. They tend to try to, uh, we tend to try to show all the functionality that we can inside the library in an example. So whenever new functionality gets added, we like to also uh, include a new example for it as well. Yeah, so great question, Gary Z. Um, back here. So installing libraries is what we're talking about. And so um, throughout most of CircuitPython's history, at least to my knowledge, um, which actually I'll fill in a little bit of the backstory as well. Uh, Katni mentioned starting with Adafruit around uh, 2017. Uh, I am newer to Adafruit. I started contributing um, as a community member probably in 2019, uh, early 2020 were my first few con uh, contributions to libraries. And then um, I've just been working as a member of the community since then, uh, made a couple of learn guides and different things like that here and there that I was contracted for. But then starting at the beginning of this year, 2022, uh, I came on more, um, you know, concretely to the CircuitPython team. So I'm working on the team part-time now, uh, and I work every Monday. Um, I work all day on CircuitPython-related stuff. Um, so that's kind of like my, you know, 50,000-foot uh, brief history of my uh, involvement in the project. And to the best of my knowledge, um, the majority of the time that the project has been out and available, this was this top bullet point here was the way that you would install libraries. So you would go to circuitpython.org, uh, you would click libraries up here, or else you know just type in slash libraries in the address bar, scroll down a bit, and then you get to uh, the list of all the bundles. And so usually you want to just grab the MPY bundle, um, but if uh, you actually want to see the Python code or anything, you can download the Python source bundle. Uh, if you want the examples separately, you can download a zip of those as well. Uh, and you can also access the community bundle from this page also. So you would download that uh, and then you would open it up. It's just a normal zip file. I'll open it up here real fast. And then let's see. Real quick, originally, um, the only access to the bundle was through GitHub. And it would build in each release that we would do. And so the assets under the release is where you would download your version of the bundle that you wanted. And that was all manual. And, and when we really first started, just like somebody mentioned on YouTube, um, it was you could just copy the whole bundle over. And that quickly became a major issue where we were running out of memory because we just kept adding so many libraries and so much hardware support. And so that's when it turned into we had to explain, please only copy the libraries you need. And then eventually we we got CircuitPython.org going and got it in a much more uh, readable and um, more easily downloadable uh, format. Interesting. Yeah, that was before my time. I don't. I, I knew that they were published on the release pages, but I don't recall uh, a time before, like when that was the only place to grab it. So that's interesting history. Um, so this is when you download the zip. I downloaded the MPY zip, and I've unzipped it here. And what you find inside of it are three folders: uh, the examples folder, which has all the examples for all the different libraries; the lib folder, which this is where the libraries themselves live; uh, and then a requirements folder. Um, which you can tend to ignore for most intents and purposes. This is more for the infrastructure side of things. Um, but if you look inside of there, it's got the requirements.txt file, which is a, a commonly distributed file for uh, software projects. That's a um, 
for Python projects specifically. That's a file typically folks use with PIP, uh, PIP, the Python uh, package installation utility. Uh, inside of lib though, this is where the actual libraries are at and you would just find the one that you wanted. Uh, so, you know, if we had a Funhouse device or actually let's say if we had a PyPortal device since we do actually have a PyPortal here uh, and we wanted to load up the PyPortal library on it, we would come inside of here, we would copy it. Uh, I actually have two CircuitPython devices connected to my computer right now. I think the PyPortal was the first one, which I guess is probably on top. Let's see. Uh, we can always check here, boot out. Yep, PyPortal. So this one is the PyPortal. Uh, and then you would go inside the lib folder on your drive, and then you would paste it in here. In this case, I do already have a copy of it. I'll delete it for now, though, and we'll just paste a new one. Uh, and then it's as simple as that, right? Just loading a, loading a library is just copy-paste, which is... Um, Really, really amazing, honestly. Uh, I had a, a little bit of experience in the Arduino world uh, before I got into CircuitPython. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like super challenging, but it is more involved to include a library in Arduino uh, than it is CircuitPython. The fact that you can just copy paste these and it shows up as a thumb drive, this is like one of the most amazing things, frankly, about CircuitPython. It, it makes it so much easier to get new folks involved. Um, Inside of Arduino, you kind of have to, to load up a URL and then you kind of have to hunt through a, a list inside the software and choose which things you want. Again, it's it's not the end of the world. It's not super hard, um, but you know, copy-paste, it's tough to get any easier than copy-paste. Um, I will point out while we're here, uh, some libraries are called, uh, is it, I think, packages? Packages are the ones that are multiple files. So like this library here, Portalbase, uh, or PyPortal, the one that I copied over, this is multiple files. So inside you can see uh, there's multiple different MPY files, uh, whereas some of the smaller libraries are just a single file. So they don't have a folder, they just have a single MPY file. And you want to make sure that you copy the entire folder when it is a folder. And you have to keep its contents within it because the code is expecting it to be in that folder and is expecting to look at it in that folder structure. Uh, and your code won't run if it's looking for something and you've spread out those files in the lib folder or something like that. Yep, yep definitely true. I will mention as well a, a gotcha that sometimes folks run into is um, in, let's say, in the library bundle after you download it. Uh, so I'll load that back up real quick here. They'll go to find something. Like, let's say you wanted to find the NeoPixel library. This is the one where I've seen this happen accidentally a few times. Um, they'll go like inside their OS here and they'll search for something like NeoPixel and they'll find uh, NeoPixel.mpy. But uh, if you're eagle-eyed, what you'll notice is there's actually a couple NeoPixel.mpy's. Some of, there's one that is the actual NeoPixel library, the, the sort of main regular, regular NeoPixel library. There's also one inside of, I think it's uh, Seesaw is where it's at. I'm not 100% sure though. Um, but there's one that's made for use with a different piece of hardware. Um, so, you know, the, the gotcha tip here is like, if you're going to use your operating system to search um, the bundle for the library, just double check which file you're looking at. You know, you can look at uh, properties, maybe it would tell us this. You can see this one is directly inside of lib, whereas this one over here is actually going to be inside of a different library, Adafruit Seesaw. So uh, a couple of times we've had folks come over to the Discord and they say like, hey, I loaded up my NeoPixel library and I'm trying to run the code and it's doing this weird thing where it's not working. Um, and this turned out to be the issue is they had the Seesaw one accidentally because they just searched like this. Um, so that's a, a quick tip. Let's see yeah, here. that's a tough one to troubleshoot too because it's 
like the least expected situation. So it it's not the first thing that comes to mind. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is did you, you know, copy an older version of it or is it actually copied or not? Um, but imagining that someone copied the wrong version of it is um, unusual. So that one's a tough one. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I see a couple of folks uh, asking about any plans to have a dependency tool. So you, my friend, are in luck, Ronan, over there in the YouTube chat, uh, because that is, yes, there are plans. And in fact, the plans have already come to fruition. And that is our next uh, topic that we'll get to in just a moment. Um, and I will catch up. Let me just make sure if there's any other questions that we missed here. Argue it's sometimes easier to use Arduino. Ah, that's fair. That's fair. I will, I will mention too, uh, I have way, way, way less experience with Arduino than I do CircuitPython. Uh, for whatever reason, the, well, not for whatever reason, truthfully, the reason is the, the quick iteration. Um, it, there's something like almost addictive about being able to just edit your code pie and save it, and then it just runs. Um, as a person who's worked in software for years and years and years, going on a decade as um, software being my primary career, the ability to save a file and instantly see it run and start getting feedback from it is um, just really, really amazing. It's one of the things that drew me to CircuitPython very, very heavily. Um, and so for that reason, I don't have nearly as much experience with Arduino. Uh, change your file manager. So I did switch that over to list. Uh, let's see here, Neurodoc. I will mention as well Neurodoc in the chat. Uh, shout out to Neurodoc and Hug Report. Uh, Neurodoc helps tons and tons of folks on the Discord. Uh, we have a help with CircuitPython uh, channel over on the Discord. Right now we're in the live broadcast chat, but there's a help with CircuitPython uh, where we have CircuitPython helpers who are around at all you know different times of the day, different days of the week. There's uh, multiple different folks there um, where you can go and get help. If you're having trouble you know, with your project or you're trying to use a library and it's not working or you know you run into a problem like I was talking about before, you think you got everything copied over and it's not working, you're getting a strange error, um, you can ask in that help with channel. Uh, and I will say a huge thanks to Neurodoc because I see Neurodoc helping people out in that channel uh, a whole lot. Um, let me catch up as well here. This is the next thing. Yep, uh, Johnny mentioned next thing. And Michael mentioned, yeah, having, I think, copied the wrong NeoPixel file. If you grew up on C or C++, then Arduino is easy. I could see that. I will mention um, a little bit more of my history. My history doesn't involve any C or C++. Uh, I started, I mean, the very, very first thing I did when I was a child was actually QBasic, um, but I didn't do very much of it, just enough to get hooked to kind of know that programming is what I wanted to do as a, as a job, hopefully. Um, but the vast majority of my experience is in Java, uh, and specifically Android. Um, more lately, I do a lot more work in Python, and I happen to like Python a lot more, uh, but I never did really have the background in C or C++, so I could see that being... Um, a big help to folks. If you have that background, Arduino probably feels a lot more natural. Uh, okay, so our next one, copy-pasting the libraries. Super simple, super easy, uh, but what if you want something different? Um, for folks that are interested in Python or uh, Node.js, there are tools called PIP, P-I-P. Uh, I think this is like, uh, actually, I don't know if this is an acronym or what, Python Packaging utility. I'm not sure if that stands for anything, but I know the name of it is PIP. Uh, and then NPM, I do know that is an acronym and it's Node Package Manager. Um, these are CLI command line tools that allow you to manage um, dependencies, to manage libraries, essentially to install, remove, uh, update, you know, search for, 
uh, different libraries um, straight from your terminal. So you can find libraries on the internet. You know, you can go and search Google or um, you know search GitHub or something like that if you're looking for libraries. Um, but you can also do this from the command line in you know normal Python, C Python, uh, which is the Python that runs on desktop computers. You can use pip, uh, or in the Node.js land, you can use npm. And so we do have a tool. Somebody. I think it was Ronan over in the YouTube chat just asked a minute ago about a plans for a dependency tool. And the name of that tool is Circup, uh, and it does already exist, and it is amazing. Uh, so let's copy this one, and I'll drop it in the chat. Made a data it set. turns out PIP is uh, PIP installs packages. It's a recursive acronym. Oh, OK, PIP installs packages. Nice. I'll link to, let's go to the GitHub for Circup as well. I didn't have that one pulled up, but I'll head there real fast. GitHub Circup. Uh, so this was, Circup was, I think originally, was it created by uh, Nicholas Intol? Yes, Nicholas Tolervy. Uh, and so this is the same person who created um, Mu, uh, MU, yep. the editor that we tend to point folks towards, especially new folks for working on CircuitPython. Um, so they have created lots of great stuff for the CircuitPython and MicroPython e ecosystem. Uh, I think Nicholas also did a lot of work on the um, original Microbit, uh, which is actually the first device where I learned about uh, MicroPython, which eventually led to me getting involved in CircuitPython. So um, lots of great contributions. Nice. I'll share this link as well, Circup. Okay. And so Circup is exactly that. This is a command line. Um, dependency management tool. So this makes it super easy to install and remove and update libraries on your device. Um, so this is the repository. This is where you could come if you want to look at the code to it or contribute new features to it. Uh, if you just want to use it, you don't necessarily need to come here, although you can click the uh, installation link here to get instructions on how to install it. Um, but once you get it installed, you know, unless you want to contribute to it, you don't necessarily need to go to the GitHub page for it. Um, we do have a learn guide for it, um, so I don't think we have talked about it too much, but um, Adafruit as a company is kind of split into two high-level, um, you know, sides, if you will. The, the shop side, which is where you can go and buy, you know, microcontrollers and sensors and, you know, any kind of LED widget you could imagine, uh, beepers and buzzers and all kinds of interesting stuff, even an LED with a skull uh, instead of the nice round thing, which I'm... Definitely eyeballing some of those. Um, and then the learn system, which is basically a, a massive library, um, not to probably, I probably should use a different term to not confuse things, a, a massive grouping of um, project tutorials and product tutorials. Um, inside the learn system, you can find guides that go over you know, almost anything, uh, tons and tons of different projects. Every new device that gets released gets a learn guide. Every new sensor um, gets a learn guide that shows you how to use it, that shows you what all the pins are, all of that sort of stuff. So uh, tons of great stuff in the learn system. I'll link that as well. I'm sure folks probably are familiar uh, with this, but I want to keep linking things and I'll put them in the description as well at the end. So that way folks who are watching this in the future who maybe aren't members of the community yet will be able to get all uh, of the same stuff here. And this is a huge part of what makes Adafruit Adafruit. We don't sell you something and then leave you on your own. 
you know, you, you purchase something from Adafruit and there's almost certainly a guide of some kind available to get you started with that item. Um, so if it's new to you, we're not leaving you out to dry. We provide you with, you know, assistance and, and so on, uh, not just on the Discord, but with guides in the Learn system. Yeah, lots of great stuff and new stuff being added all the time. There's even a segment on uh, Ask an Engineer, which is a weekly show on Wednesdays. Uh, where they go over all the new guides for the week. And it's like almost every week that goes by, there's at least one or two, sometimes even more uh, new guides going up. So new stuff all the time. Um, let me catch up on the YouTube chat here. Let's see. Uh, you use CircuitPython and Arduino about the same amount. It depends on the project. I love the simplicity of Python in a real-time computer. Yeah, Michael says that over on YouTube. Uh, integrated glow-in-the-dark LEDs. Uh, there probably are some of those, I would guess. Uh, let's see, or like a web page that creates a zip for you from CodePy and has a list of libraries. Uh, yeah, we should show that no. as well. I hadn't thought about that, but the project bundler. Yes. Uh, let's take a quick detour here. And we're, we're, this, I will mention as well, this is like loosely planned. I have the slides that we're going through here, but we're, you know, definitely willing to entertain um, little rabbit holes here and there. We don't want to go too far off the beaten path, but uh, we do want to show people all sorts of interesting and neat stuff. Um, so if we just find project let's say uh this one was showed on uh, show and tell this week uh which w looked really cool to me this little um sort of hand joystick controller that liz made uh, liz is one of the newest uh, members to the adafruit team and so um, this is the guide that shows you how to make this project this one happens to have 3d printed parts um, it has a circuit so you, you have to connect up a couple of different things together there's a in this case a speaker uh, looks like a feather, probably NRF52840, uh, because it has Bluetooth built in, and then a couple of switches uh, in this case. So, you know, you can see we get the circuit diagram here. We got the 3D printed parts. Uh, in this case, it's for the case and a little mounting bracket inside of it. And then on the library and code side of things, what you'll find in all of the learn guides. Uh, so let's see, this is the page that's going to show you how to set up CircuitPython on your device. So like if you bought a brand new Feather and it's not set up yet, this is the page you can follow to get CircuitPython installed on it. Uh, and then this page is the code for this actual project. And on the code for the project, there is this link right here, Download Project Bundle. And this is a relatively new feature. I think uh, maybe six months or something like that about is when this came about. I'm not 100% sure on the timeline. Um, but this is a super handy feature. This actually also reduces the need for you to go and grab the bundle separately and load your libraries uh, or use Circup, which is what we'll get back to here in a moment. This is another way you can actually get your stuff loaded up. You press this download project bundle, that's going to download you a zip file with everything you need for this particular project. So if we head back here, we'll be able to find that zip uh, and open it up. And then inside of it, what we'll have is the code for the project and a copy of all the libraries that that project needs. Uh, so I unzip it, go inside of it. Um, sometimes we are supporting two major versions. Right now we happen to be on just one major version, CircuitPython 7. Uh, but when, uh, for instance, CircuitPython 8 starts coming out, we will, there will be a period of time, a couple of months or something like that, where we will have some support for CircuitPython 7 and we'll start supporting CircuitPython 8. And then you would see both of them listed here. Um, if the version of MPY changed in between, I think is when we make the second one. So in this case, we just have one. So we go right inside 7.x. Here's the code pie. So again, this is the code for the actual project. 
And then there's a lib folder right here that has preloaded all of the libraries you need. So you could just copy all these libraries from here over to your device. Again, you know, inside CircuitPy lib, uh, load up your CodePy as well from that zip, and then you're good to go. You have this whole project loaded up. Um, you don't have to do anything more than that. So thank you. Who was it that mentioned that? Was that Neurodoc? So yeah, thank you Neurodoc for mentioning that. It's definitely a good thing to show folks. Uh, yeah, Zarnalin, good point as well. Uh, if you, if anybody is looking at guides and you have, if you run across something that seems, you know, out of place or is out of date or something, if it gives you an instruction that is um, no longer correct for whatever reason, there is a feedback uh, link here. So if you click this feedback and corrections, it'll uh, give you a little form where you can basically submit a contact. You can let us know what you found uh, and you make sure to do it from the page that you're on and then it will uh, populate into the folks who have learn guide um, basically like editor access, admin access to be able to edit the pages. They have a page where they can go and see all of these feedbacks uh, and what page they were submitted from and then of course go and fix whatever the issue is and update the guide. Uh, Bundlefly, yep, so that Bundlefly I think is the name of the tool that creates these uh, bundles here. And there's a, I don't have a freaking easy way to bring it up, but if you search around for Adafruit Bundlefly, there's a really cute um, sort of fly mascot that I think is really awesome. That's one of the neat things I that I like about Adafruit is a bunch of these different little cute icons that represent different things. The um, I mean, there's all kinds of different ones now. Blinka being the main one, which is on the screen right there. Um, the CircuitPython snake, but there's actually a ton of other ones. Adabot, Minerva, um, the Bundlefly, the Badger one I thought was really cute. Yeah, that was on me. Nice. Uh, let's see here. 50% of the time, solder the header pins the wrong way. Get the desoldering gun. Project Bundle is uh, still internal to Adafruit. Yeah, there's the fly. Thank you, Katni. You're welcome. Great to have a tool. Yeah, I don't know too much about the code behind it. That may be, I do know Learn, uh, the Learn system, the actual code behind the Learn system was built custom for Adafruit, and it is one of the few things that is not fully open source, is the code behind the Learn system. And I don't know where Bundlefly fits into that, which side of the fence it's on. Let's see here. Oh, there's a, we have one a sticker, or whatever those are called, in the Discord even, so we can send it straight in there, nice. Um, okay, so let's head back and talk about CircUp a little bit more. So this is really nice, being able to download the project bundle. This is a great way to do things. Um, if you are kind of like, quote unquote, power user, if you're you know contributing to CircuitPython all the time, if you're constantly installing and removing different versions of libraries and testing out different things, um, then you will probably find this tool to be very handy, especially if you are the type of person that likes a terminal interface. Um, you know, terminal interfaces are not for everybody. Lots of folks, you know, if you just look at the terminal, their eyes gloss over and it's kind of like it seems harder than it is. Um, honestly, once you start using it, it's it's actually quite easy. You know, you're just typing a command one at a time and then it's going to do its thing for you or it's going to tell you, you know, why it didn't work or whatever. Um, it can be a bit cryptic depending on what commands you're using, um, but it's really not that bad. So I would encourage folks, anybody here, if you're like, you know, on the fence about like, you know, uh, wanting to use command line tools, I would encourage you to give it a try. It is, it's a super nifty thing if you can uh, get the basics of using the command line down and kind of get past the idea of not, you know, clicking and uh, using the mouse and stuff like that to interact. Um, so CircUp is a command line tool like this. So you open a terminal, you run a command, 
um, and you can run commands to install, remove, update, uh, check versions, do a couple other things. So I figured I would show a quick demo of it on the fly right here so we can see how easy it is. So I'll go to bundle. Uh, let's close this one maybe. Yeah, let's close this one. Um, and I don't know, let's say we want to install, um, what do we have open here? Uh, actually, let's see, do we have anything? Let's say, uh, let's go ahead and we'll do the PyPortal one again. Let's say we wanted to uh, install that PyPortal library. So I'll, I'll even go and delete it. That way we're starting from a, an empty slate, so to speak. Uh, I'll delete it from here. And let's say we wanted to get it installed using Circup. Uh, super easy, all we do. Uh, actually, you know, I think Circup, uh, maybe it's gonna be confused because I have multiple um, devices. I'm not actually sure. I, is there a way you can target uh, circup install? This is the command you would run anyway, whether or not it works for me right now. Might be due to me having multiple devices. Adafruit, iPortal, uh, and I usually, honestly, I usually copy paste this. A, a quick little trick, uh, tip for folks that are watching, if you um, are using a particular library, so again, I'll, I'll say, I'll keep using the PyPortal example. Um, if we find the PyPortal submodule and we look inside the examples directory, um, one of the nice things about Circup is that it uses the same names that you import. Uh, let's see here. Am I blind? Where's PyPortal? Let's... Did I skip it under drivers? Well, if there's Portal Base, PyBadger. Ah, PyPortal, okay, yep, I just missed it the first time. But for instance, if we look inside one of the examples, the simple test example, there's going to be an import at the top of the file here. This one says from Adafruit PyPortal import, and then this happens to be importing a class called PyPortal. You can actually just copy-paste this right here. I do this all the time when I'm installing with Circup. So I'll copy-paste uh, the name of whatever's being imported, and then you can just go and run from a terminal, uh, Circup install, and then you can paste it, uh, paste it right in there. Um, and I think, ah, yeah, actually it went ahead and did it. Uh, or, or maybe not. Is it done already? No, yeah, it did it. Looks like it did it. Uh, so I was worried maybe having two devices, it might not know which one to go to, but it looks like it got it. Um, don't know which one it actually did install on, but you can see, you know, you run the command circup space install, and then the name of your library. Uh, again, you can copy paste that from your import line. It's going to go and fetch the latest version of the bundle. So the bundle tends to get updated almost every day. Uh, there's a new version of at least one library. Um, there are some days, especially weekends and stuff, occasionally where no libraries will be updated. Um, but generally, almost every day, there's at least one change to a library somewhere. Um, and the bundle gets automatically generated uh, each night whenever there has been a change. So if a library changed today, then overnight that night, there will be a new version of the bundle that gets generated automatically. Circup will download the latest one for you. Um, it will look at all the requirements. So we wanted to install uh, PyPortal, but PyPortal actually depends on all of these other libraries, display text, ESP32 spy, bitmap font. All of these other libraries are actually libraries that Adafruit PyPortal library makes use of. Uh, and so Circup will install all of them for you. It goes through, it finds all the requirements, and it installs each one of them. Uh, it's going through the list here. You can see I already had a bunch of them installed, uh, but the PyPortal one, which I didn't have installed because I deleted it right before we started, it installed that one for us. And for each of the rest of these, uh, if, it, if I didn't already have it, then it would have installed those as well.
Um, so this is a super easy tool for loading stuff. Uh, circup show, this is another good tip. Let's run that one, circup show. We'll list out the libraries in the bundle so you can search through the list here if you want. Um, there is circup update, circup update. Um, yeah, I'll run this one. We could always control C it if we need to. Circup update, this helps you keep the libraries up to date. So just like I was talking about before, you know, we're constantly updating the libraries, adding new features, fixing bugs, doing that sort of stuff. Um, and so we're releasing new ones fairly frequently for, for any given library, you know, maybe once every few weeks or months or something like that is when a new version will come out. You know, if it's a brand new library and lots of development is being done, then it may be up to like, you know, every few days there's going to be a new version of it. Um, and it's best to keep your versions updated because the, uh, the updated one, the most recent one is the one that we kind of maintain. There's sometimes known issues with the older ones. Uh, and so folks will come, you know, again to that help with channel They'll say, Hey, I'm trying to run this library. Um, and I'm getting this error message from it. And it turns out, you know, like, yep, it was a, it was a little bug, but it's already been taken care of. You just need to go and update your library in order to get the newest one. And not to mention when circuit Python updates, sometimes it changes how certain things function and that alters how libraries need to work. And so sometimes updates go along with updates to CircuitPython as well. Uh, so those are fixes that come in that resolve, you know, a conflict with an older version of the library and a newer version of CircuitPython. So it's always good to stay updated. Yep, definitely. So we see here, I ran circuit update and it found six libraries, six modules on my device, which need to be updated. And then it gives me a chance to either update yes or no, each one of them. So I'll do yes. Uh, on this one, and then we'll basically just go through the list here. Uh, there is also a flag, I think, uh, dash dash all, uh, which I think Zarnalin, thank you for dropping that in the chat as well. You can do circup update and then dash dash all, and it will just automatically do all of these uh, if you don't necessarily want to click through the list. Oftentimes, I just run the all um, because I always want to have uh, the most up to date versions. I'm always copying like test versions from pull requests and stuff to my device, so I always have you know, weird, who knows what is going on in any particular library on one of my devices. So I'm always just running circup update all to get the latest versions. Um, let's see here, we've got lots of love for circup in the chat. Yep, I am definitely a huge fan of circup as well. Oh, that's a neat trick. I like this trick. Thank you, Todd Bot. I'll show this one. Uh, circup with circup show. You can also combine it with grep. If you're on uh, Linux or I think Mac probably has grep as well. I don't know as much about Windows. I assume there's some kind of grep on Windows, um, but you could run circup show and then pipe and then grep and the name of a library um, or you know a word that you think is in the name of a library and it will actually find it for you. So if you know that this is the type of sensor you have, LIS3DH, but you don't know the name of the library for sure. You're not sure if it's like Adafruit underscore LIS3DH or not. Um, you can always do show and then grep and find uh, whatever the term that you do know in order to look for it. Let's see, question uh, for Katni in the chat from Dexter. How many guides do you write in a week? So I just pulled it up. Um, it's, we have a, a, a graph in the admin, uh, panel for learn that shows the number per month and it has been anywhere from three or two up to nine so i guess i would say per week anywhere from one to two or three <laughs> depending on the week yeah it, it ebbs and flows with new hardware and stuff like that as well exactly 
And, and I will mention as well for folks that might not know, Catney works on a lot of the guides for the new hardware. So like if a new sensor is coming out or a, a new feather, you know, a new main device, microcontroller, whatever it is, um, like we mentioned before, there's going to be a guide created for that. And Catney does a lot of work on those guides. Um, so she is probably yeah. making more guides than most of the people who do author them. And Liz has actually started doing uh, some new product guides for breakouts. So uh, she will also be helping out with that. Nice. Uh, and let's see, Ask Patrick W dropped uh, an even better hint in the chat, which is you don't actually even need to use grep, uh, which this is new to me. I didn't know you could do this, but you can go circup show and then like LIS3, for instance, and it will actually find it for you. So in this case, there's actually a couple of different LIS3s, the 331, the 3DH, which is the one we were looking at, and the 3MDL. Um, and this is actually really cool because this means it doesn't matter if there is a grep or what the grep on Windows is because you can actually just do this straight from circup by itself. Circup space show space and then your search term, whatever you whatever part of the library name you think you know. Uh, so thank you, Ask Patrick W for mentioning that. That is new to me and that is amazing. Uh, love the factory. Hello from Colorado. Let's see. Select string. I'm not familiar with select string. In Windows, you can install grep. Okay. Guides are super useful. Definitely agree with that. Uh, is typing and doc markup required or recommended for the community bundle contributions? Is a question from Seagrover. Uh, Katni, do you want to take a stab at that or I can answer? So you're referring to um, the type hints, I assume, that we're doing on all of the um on all the circuit our adafruit circuit python libraries i think so and uh things like doc strings as well that go into the uh, sphinx documentation pages so it's not required because obviously how you want to maintain your own library is up to you but part of the reason why we updated our cookie cutter to have a community bundle version is so that you could still generate a library that's very much like an Adafruit CircuitPython library in, in form and function. And um, I believe uh, you can set up read the docs on your own and use things to publish to your own read the docs, in which case you would definitely want um, doc strings and markup and so on in there because it things builds out of your code. It builds out of your doc strings. So none of that is required again because it's it's a community bundle. It's meant to be for the community by the community, and we don't impart rules on it per se. But we do make it easy to be able to produce a library similar to an Adafruit Circuit Python library. And I recommend documenting your code no matter what, um, and do documenting it in a similar way to the Adafruit stuff uh, provides a good you know, set of information for folks who are coming new to the library. Yeah, definitely. And I can confirm too, individuals can set up read the docs. I have my own uh, read the docs accounts. And uh, just like Katni was saying, if you do run cookie cutter, which we'll take a look at a little while later, but if you set your library up in the same way that the official ones are created, uh, you can reuse tons of great automation and infrastructure that will automatically build your docs uh, out of your code, just like she was saying. And, uh, publish it right up to read the docs live. So it takes a bunch of the manual steps out of the works um, and you can do all of that stuff very easily. Um, let's see. 
format doesn't match. Yeah, so this uh, format, MPY format doesn't match. If you see that, that means that you have um, a different version of CircuitPython than the version that that particular MPY file is expecting. So um, it's not with every major release, but with some of the major releases of CircuitPython, the um, kind of like version of the MPY compiling uh, gets changed, and then the old MPY files no longer work with that newer version of CircuitPython. So um, that error that you have there basically means that uh, either your version of CircuitPython is too new for a library that you're trying to use, uh, or vice versa. Your CircuitPython version is too old for the particular uh, library that you're trying to use, that particular MPY file. Um, so you have a couple options. You could either update one or the other, uh, or you could go back and get an older version if you really wanted to. Um, you could go find the older version and run with that instead of the newest one. But it's definitely best and to update. You'll get an error like that in your um, in the serial console as well. If you if you log into the serial console and you're trying to run an MPY that doesn't match the version of CircuitPython, the error is very similar, and that's exactly what it means. So if you ever run into that. Um, take a look at what version of CircuitPython you're using and what version of the library you think you're using and update one or the other, as Tim said. Uh, a couple folks on YouTube have confirmed for us on Windows. You can, it looks like uh, somebody did successfully use grep, and then there is also a, a pipe more, I guess, on Windows for doing piping as well. That's a good tip for folks that are on Windows. Uh, for sure, yeah, you're welcome, Seagrover. Uh, let's see, I think... But beyond libraries, have you considered hosting a linked collection of community CircuitPython full projects? Um, that's a good question. I would say the closest thing that we have today to that is probably this awesome CircuitPython. Um, so awesome CircuitPython. This is basically a curated list of cool stuff that involves CircuitPython. It could be a project. It could be a library. It could be books, codes, frameworks, newsletters, uh, art, social media, all of these different things um, get listed inside Awesome. And so I think this is not, um, I don't know for sure, but I want to say that uh, this idea of Awesome something is not something that started with CircuitPython. Do you know if that's right, Katni? It is absolutely not something that started with CircuitPython. And in fact, uh, to be able to have that awesome tag and have an actual uh, legitimate awesome repository, you have to fit a certain uh, set of criteria. And based on the original, um, whoever it is that put it together, I'm not sure about that, but um, it, it actually required quite a bit of work to get that accepted as, as, a, as an awesome repo and um, have our awesome CircuitPython uh, like it is now. Nice. Yeah, there's tons of great stuff in here. Every now and then I'll come to this repo and just start clicking through. And like every time I start clicking through here, I find something that I didn't know about before. So um, there are so many cool things inside of here. So this would be one place that you could link uh, projects like community uh, created projects. Um, the other one, which I'll mention, is the weekly newsletter. Every week on uh, Tuesday, there is the Python on Hardware newsletter that gets mailed out to a mailing list. You can sign up at adafruitdaily.com if you want to sign up for that. Um, and in that newsletter, there's a section called News from Around the Web, which is where uh, it lists out just projects from all over, uh, all over the community. Projects submitted via Twitter, uh, via Discord in the show and tell room, uh, via email. You can email in your projects, um, all these different ways you can reach out and have your own projects or projects that you found out in the community submitted. 
Um, the newsletter, of course, is weekly, so it's not one master list, uh, you know, one big list. There is a repository where all of it's stored inside of there, um, and you can actually click through them, uh, but they are kind of separated mm -hmm. up by each week. Um, and a huge shout out to Anne, who uh, not only put together the original Awesome Circuit Python, but puts together the newsletter every week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is there a way to know which version of CircuitPython a particular library is compatible with? I don't know for sure. I mean, there's definitely a way to know if it's not compatible because it will print that error message that you showed um, a little while back. I think that was you who pasted in there, Gordy. Um, but I don't know if there is a good way to actually check which version it needs. So we very rarely, and, and basically almost never, it's only happened once, uh, publish libraries that are not compatible with the current stable version of CircuitPython. And if there is a unstable version of CircuitPython that doesn't match, there would be two folders in that bundle zip um, that you download. And it would show, you know, this is compatible with CircuitPython 7x. And the other folder would say something like this is, you know, CircuitPython 8x. If there is a reason for there to be a difference, there was one library once that was written that was compatible only with the unstable version. I think what we ended up doing was actually sort of backporting it to make it uh, compatible with the stable version because we don't have a, a mechanism to have libraries that are not compatible with current current versions. So you can pretty much be safe if you're downloading the CircuitPython that the bundle folder has the number on it. You can pretty much guarantee that those libraries are compatible with the version of CircuitPython that you're using as long as you're up to date. Yep. And ask Patrick W also mentioned in the chat uh, if it, basically if in doubt update, uh, which is I would basically uh, mimic that that um, advice. Uh, so if you go to circuitpython.org and whatever particular device you have, if you get the latest stable version, which is the top one linked right here, um, if you just always keep your device on the latest stable version um, and you always grab the newest bundle or you run that circuit update command. Um, you should be guaranteed to always have libraries that are working with your device. If you're ever on the latest stable version and you're installing from Circup or you're installing out of the bundle um, and it's not working for you, then definitely that's something that you could report because that's definitely the intention is the latest versions of the libraries uh, will always be built inside the bundle and on the release pages, they'll always be built with the MPY that is meant for the latest stable version. And uh, be aware that n very new products may not have um, a stable version. It'll only be the unstable version. And that is just, that is what the latest CircuitPython is for that board. But that's only for super new hardware. And I, th I think that error might have been telling you that the, pre the version you had previously installed is the one that's out of date. If you get it to install the new one, it should be good. But if it's not again, I would say uh, let us know maybe over in the help with or in the CircuitPython dev if you could point us to... Uh, which device you're using, which version you have, maybe just paste your bootout.txt. That's usually the easiest thing to do. Um, and then uh, tell us how you got the library. If you installed it with Circup or if you got out of a bundle, just link us to where you got it from. Because uh, if it is actually not working with the latest one, then we definitely want to look into that and get it fixed up. Swedish version, nice. Yeah, I do like grabbing the different, uh, the different languages sometimes. I grab Pirate a lot, but I do Swedish sometimes. Uh, I've had Russian installed on my device for a little while because it's one of the bigger ones. Um, just happens to be that the language is bigger. Let's see. All this fails after updating the latest table. You can remove all libs and use Circup to reinstall them. Oh, that's a good point as well, Zarnalyn. Good tip. 
that's definitely a good thing. If you're ever having a weird issue with your library where it seems like it's not working, um, I would definitely recommend go to your CircuitPy uh, drive, go to the lib folder and delete the old one. So like if you're having trouble with, you know, the logging library, go in here and just delete this. Delete it, it's gone. Now go to the bundle and get the new one or use CircuitPy and install the new one. Um, especially if you're mixing the MPY files and the regular uh, PY files, it, it sometimes it will leave extra copies of one or the other, and it, it takes the PY, the .py files are kind of like higher priority. So uh, if you have both, then it will use the .py ones. So if your MPY ones are the latest ones, but your .py ones are older, then sometimes you have trouble. You're actually using an older version of the library, even though you do have the newer one on your device. So if you just delete it and reinstall it, um, then that takes that whole, you know, our, uh, that whole, um, possibility off the table. You never have that problem if you just delete and reinstall. And to throw another wrench into this, um, if you put a library in root of CircuitPy, so just on the CircuitPy drive, not in the lib folder, it looks there first. That was put in place for testing purposes. So if you are modifying a library or you're working with it, you can put it in root and you know that's the one it's using. Uh, but if you have an older version in CircuitPy, than you do in ah, circuitpy.lib, um, it will try to use the older version. So one easy way to deal with that is just to simply always put all your libraries in the lib folder, then you won't run into that issue. Yep. And Dexter asks, why do you have both Py and MPy installed? That would be if you're modifying one library that has other dependencies. And so you are, you know, you have the dependencies logged or in there as mpy files, but there's one you want to work on, you would need the py file for it. So that's one example of what you, why you might have both um, .py and .mpy. Yep. Yeah, oftentimes like end users who are just making projects, um, generally, you know, the main bundle, the first bundle that's linked on the page, as well as the first thing that uh, CircUp will install for you is the mpy version. Usually the folks that end up having the .py versions are folks who are trying to develop, uh, either test out like pull requests for the library or uh, develop new features for the library, or maybe they're having some problem with the library that they're trying to troubleshoot. Um, you can load the Python version, the .py version, and you can add print statements if you need to try to see like you know where things are getting to, where things are going wrong if you're having trouble. Um, so usually that's when folks end up having the .py versions. Yeah. Um, so next up, we talked about MPY a couple of times, and this slide uh, calls out more specifically what MPY is. So when we say uh, the MPY version of the library, we're talking about the version of the library that's been compiled with this tool that's called MPY cross. Uh, MPY dash cross is the name of this tool, and this is also a command line tool. So it's similar to CircUp. You know, you open your terminal, you run a command. Um, this one is not installing libraries, but it's compiling Python files into MPY files. Um, and there's a couple of reasons we do this. The main one is kind of like back to, uh, I think it was slide one, uh, slide three here, where we were talking about why do we have all these libraries? Because we have limited resources on the microcontrollers. Um, you know, again, there's not a whole lot of space. There's not a whole lot of RAM compared to traditional computers. As, you know, if we can squeeze these libraries into smaller files, they take up less of the storage space. They take up less of the RAM when you import them and use them. Uh, and both of those things are very, very good um, when we have such small devices, right? Small amounts of storage and RAM. Um, 
I'll show you, uh, so let's link here to MPY Cross. If you're interested in MPY Cross, it is published on PyPy, so you can install it with pip. Um, it also, I think, is linked as a submodule inside the core repo. You can build it inside of there if you want to build your own binary to run it on your system. Um, and I'll show you real quick how this works. It's super straightforward. I actually have this other library uh, opened up right here. This happens to be a library that I was working on recently for a pull request. This is uh, VC0706. I think it's a camera, if I recall correctly. Um, but the actual specific library doesn't matter too much. What I'm going to show you is how you compile it, uh, and it's actually really straightforward. You just run, once you get MPY cross installed, you can just run that command MPY cross uh, dash O for the name of the output file. So in this case, usually what we do is we just use the same name as the library. Uh, this one is called Adafruit underscore VC0706.py. So we just use the same name, but dot MPY instead of dot PI. Uh, and then that other argument, that last argument there is the name of your input file. Uh, so if we run this command, that's all we have to do. If I let this refresh over here, then you can see right away we have this MPY file that showed up. And if we go and look at this, what we'll see, the Python version is uh, 9.4 kilobytes and the compiled MPY version is 2.3 kilobytes. So like less than a third uh, the amount of space that's going to save your storage space and your RAM uh, when you go to use this library. So it's really, really great to be able to compress this down smaller. Um, um. So Naradoc pointed out that the one on PyPI is a MicroPython version and it doesn't work with CircuitPython. Ooh, thank you for that. So definitely build uh, out of the CircuitPython core if you do want this tool. Um, that will get you the version that works with CircuitPython. Yeah, thanks. To, thank you for the heads up. I didn't realize that. That's definitely a good point, though. I apologize for pointing folks to that wrong place. But yeah, in the CircuitPython core, uh, I think you can run the, the command like make uh, space MPY cross. Um, and it has all the like build files and stuff in there. It will build the CircuitPython version. I actually didn't realize they were different. That's good to know. Uh, let's see here. MPY files. So I showed how to, how to compile it with MPI. Uh, but I also wanted to point out like how we actually do this at scale across all the libraries, right? Because, you know, like we talked about before, we have 350 libraries. Um, it would not be very, very easy if somebody had to like open up all of the 350 libraries and run this command on them. So you can do individual files like this, especially if you're writing your own library or even if you want to MPY cross just your project code, um, you can do it like this. The way that we do it in all of the uh, Adafruit libraries though, is we actually use uh, GitHub Actions, which is a, um, a feature of GitHub that allows uh, automated stuff to run whenever there are pushes uh, or new commits added to the repository. So inside of the workflows folder, .github and then workflows, this is where you put your, Ada, uh, your um, GitHub Actions configurations. We have a particular task called build assets. This is in the release actions. So this one runs anytime that a new release of a library is created. Um, we have this build assets task and it will actually run this CircuitPython build bundles, and it will pass a couple of arguments in. Uh, CircuitPython build bundles actually goes inside of CircuitPython build tools. This is another uh, Adafruit library. There's a, or uh, this one is a repository. It's not a library meant to be used on devices, uh, but it's a repository that holds infrastructure uh, helpers, uh, command line tools and uh, different modules and functions that do different things. Uh, inside of here though, it is ultimately just calling that MPY cross command with the dash O the same way that we did it. Um, this is all just happening automatically though uh, on a, uh, a virtual machine that GitHub 
um, spawns up for us. Whenever that release happens, it, it runs all these tasks and it automatically creates the MPY file. And then what it will do is it will just attach it to the, um, to the uh, release page. Uh, so if we go find just a library, it doesn't even really matter which one it is, but if we look at a library and we go to the releases page here, under the release, there will be assets. And then right here, there is a copy of the MPY uh, zip, the PY zip if you want the plain text version. And then there's also a separate one for the examples and a couple of other infrastructure pieces like a JSON file that has some information about this library. Uh, and a, and a Z, tool, Z build tools version and things like this. So it uploads a couple of these things, including the MPY version. So it automatically builds it and it uploads it right to this page. Um, and then this also kind of is what triggers that nightly build of the bundle. So whenever the uh, whenever Adabot runs overnight, uh, she will notice that this library has been updated and you know it will trigger it to build the new version of the bundle and release that overnight so that that way the next, you know, starting the next day, folks, when they download that bundle, will be getting the latest uh, new version. Uh, let's see here, I was in the PDF instead. Um, yeah, I think that's it for MPY files. You know, for all intents and purposes, they work the same as .py files. When you want to load them on your device, you just copy them into that lib folder, um, just like you would any other library. And if you do use Circup, it will automatically install the MPY ones. Uh, I, my guess is there's probably a command, uh, like an argument to do the PY ones. I don't know for sure, um, but I suspect that's probably the case. A quick difference is that you can't actually read an MPY file. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's compiled. So if you are looking for, a, want to look at the code or a particular feature of that library, you'll need to look at the .py version. Yeah, yeah, really good point. If you do open up the MPY as text, you just get all this gibberish stuff that doesn't really, doesn't really tell you much. Whereas the PY file, that's plain text. You can just open that right inside of a text editor. Uh, I don't want to use mm -hmm. Atom necessarily, but, uh, and this is all just plain text Python code, regular old plain Python. Uh, all right, so next up we have, I think, Frozen. Yeah, Frozen libraries. So um, this is actually one of the things that I, it took me a little while to understand the difference between these two things. So I thought that was a good reason to include this slide and kind of tell folks about it. So uh, we have compiled libraries, MPY versions of the libraries. We also have what are called frozen libraries, libraries that are frozen in to CircuitPython builds. Um, so these are libraries that are actually included in the, the CircuitPython image that's loaded on a board. And these actually get uh, put into that CircuitPython build automatically. Copy this link as well. And this is when there are boards that, when you use libraries for them, result in a memory allocation error, which means it runs out of memory. The frozen libraries, if I understand it correctly, don't um, get loaded into RAM. Um, and so, for example, Circuit Playground Express is a very popular board. And there is a Circuit Playground library that has all the features of the Circuit Playground Express and the Bluefruit in it. However, if you try to use the Circuit Playground library uh, directly onto the board, it will run out of memory pretty much automatically. And so, we froze into the Circuit Playground Express build the Circuit Playground library and all of its um, dependencies. 
And that way it's, it's twofold. One, it's a great experience because folks can plug in that board and begin coding immediately with the Circuit Playground library and not have to load anything. Um, but the, the real reason for it was that it just doesn't work if it's loaded directly on the board. For the Bluefruit, for example, all of those fit just fine. So there's, no, there's nothing frozen into Bluefruit. But specifically for Circuit Playground, that's an example of a board that has all of the libraries uh, necessary for the Circuit Playground library frozen in. Uh, and this link that I dropped in, this is inside of the core repo, the actual CircuitPython core repo. So this is when, when you load a uh, CircuitPython UF2 file, um, this is where it came from. It got built out of this repo. And so that particular place that I linked to is inside this frozen folder. And this one is also one of those Git submodule things. So all of these things listed here are all Git submodules, you know, just different repositories linked in. These are all the libraries that are frozen into any particular build, but it's important to note these are not frozen into all the builds. So just like Katni was talking about a minute ago, um, the Circuit Playground libraries, those are frozen into the Circuit Playground Express, but not like the Circuit Playground Bluefruit, for instance, and then of course definitely not for like a Feather or a Metro or any other kind of device. Um, so this is where the frozen libraries live. They get copied from here when you make a build, uh, but I did also want to point out where they actually do get attached to a particular build. So we're diving a little bit deeper here, but if we look inside the core and we go find a specific device, like let's say the Circuit Playground makes a good example. Uh, so you go into your port, you go into boards, and then you find your particular board. So if we want the Circuit Playground Express, there's actually a couple of different variations of this one. Uh, which is, again, you know, due to that same issue of limited space. Uh, some of these other libraries required for like the Cricut and for Display.io are much bigger. Uh, and so there's different builds in order to accommodate, you know, using those features. Uh, inside of this makefile, there's one of these makefiles for every single board that CircuitPython supports. And listed at the bottom of this file is all of the frozen libraries. So you can always look here to see which libraries are actually frozen into a particular uh, device. So this is a great place to look if you want to know, uh, you know, what batteries are included, uh, so to speak, for any given device. Uh, let's catch up here. If MPY are incompatible between MicroPython and CircuitPython, uh, perhaps it should be CPY cross uh, in a .CPY file? Possibly. I don't know when or when or where or who that uh, made that decision truthfully. I actually didn't realize until just now that they were different. I'm grateful for Neradoc pointing that out. Otherwise, I would have been continuing to point folks in the wrong place. Uh, in that docs area where all the libs are, there's a page that lists the board. Oh, nice. I did not know. Oh, support matrix. Okay, I didn't know that this was listed in the support matrix. Let's pull this up real fast. Thanks for linking this, by the way. That's uh, Arnalyn. I'll show folks this page. So yeah, support matrix. This does show you uh, all the different modules that are available for a given board. So like if we go to Circuit Playground Express, for instance, um, you know, again, we see the different builds, the Cricut version, the Display.io version, uh, and then the regular version without any of those. Uh, and you can see all the things listed here. Although I do think uh, these I... ones are built-in modules. Not yeah, those are all built-in modules. There is no uh, documentation that lists the frozen modules. Yeah that I'm aware of. Yeah, the make, this is the only place I know to look for it is the make files. Um, this one will show you the built-in module. So all of these modules are, uh, they're not libraries, they are built into CircuitPython. They are uh, modules inside CircuitPython, uh, but they can still be included or not included on any particular build. So some of the larger ones like Display.io, for instance, 
um, get turned off on some of the smallest builds, some of the builds that go on the devices with the least amount of RAM and storage. Um, so and this, we, oh, we turn off all kinds of stuff. Um, keypad, for example, is not turned on for Circuit Playground Express either. Um, and it's basically what, what we end up doing is when we add a new feature to CircuitPython, we build CircuitPython for what we consider to be the smallest boards and the largest translation, because that is basically the situation where we need the most space. And when it basically it does what's called overflowing, um, the build is too big to fit on the board. And so then we will go back and say, okay, what is crucial? What do we really need? What can we turn off um, to basically make a build that's, that's functional for each board? And so sometimes we'll turn off, you know, any number of things to make a particular build um, possible for uh, a, a given board. Definitely. Yeah, especially the smallest ones, the M0s, like uh, SAMD21s especially, um, those tend yeah. to be kind of the smallest devices that have the least amount of space and RAM. So uh, Trinket and Gemma, for example, because there's not even an express chip on there. Yeah, yeah, those ones are like under a meg of storage, I think, if I recall correctly. So you, you really have to be selective about what gets included or not. Uh, some of the newer stuff, like the SAMD51s or even like NRF52840s uh, or especially the RP2040s, which is kind of the newest main chip, um, there's tends to be much more resources on those, more storage, more RAM, but doesn't tend to be as critical to try to cut stuff out of them. Um, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, though, is like if you want to, if you have a particular project where your project does use uh, specific libraries, and you want to save space like this, you can actually freeze them in yourself. So you could go get the um, CircuitPython uh, core repository. You could come to that make file for the device you're using, and you could actually add your own stuff in here. Um, if that library is already inside the frozen folder, then you don't need to do anything besides add it to the make file here and then make a build. Um, but if it's not in the frozen folder already, then you need to copy it into there, either add it as a submodule uh, or even copy paste it if you just want to do a, a quick one-off build. Um, on your on your local copy there, uh, and then you can add it inside the make file after that and make a new build with it. Uh, contributing. Uh, so for folks that want to get involved with helping us develop libraries, testing out new features of libraries, um, this is what this page is all about. So uh, again, you know, there's a very helpful learn guide for this that I'll link. Build a one box. I need to remember somebody one day showed me the right way to make it not one box, but I don't know. I think it's like wrap it in angle brackets or square brackets or something. Uh, ask Patrick any common issues you've seen or suggestions for people that want to make a new library. So I don't know about common issues per se, uh, especially with um, cookie cutter now being viable for both uh, Adafruit Circuit Python libraries and community libraries. It it gives already a, a very good template, and there's a lot of uh, to-dos in it that show you what needs to be updated inside that template. And once we got that in place, I think it became a lot easier for folks to contribute uh, because it it creates, you know, like I said, a template that that you can use to then generate your new library. Um, suggestions, I would say, like Dart with the most obvious feature. So if it's an accelerometer, start with acceleration and just get it working, get data 
And once you've got data, you can you you know that you've got it sorted out. How you read that register, um, how that register affects the data, and what needs to happen for data to be pulled from that you know from that chip, and and go from there. Um, the you're gonna get if it's if it's for hardware, you're gonna get deeply involved in what's called data sheets. And uh, data sheets have all the info. Well, <laughs> if they're good data sheets, they have all the information you need to write a library. If it's not a great data sheet, of which there are many, um, you may not have very much information at all. And so you'll be trying to figure things out on your own. Um, I don't recommend starting with anything that has a really sparse data sheet if it needs one. Um, as for helper libraries and so on, um, the way that I learned and the way that I wrote the Circuit Playground library was to actually write code in, in code.py that did what I wanted to do in the library and then move it into the library and sort of, for lack of a better word, libraryify it, um, which means adding the, you know, the actual syntax for it to work inside of a library. And I would get that function working in the library, test it out, and then add it. And then the next thing I would do is pick the next feature that I wanted to add. I would get that going in code.py and, and repeat. So helper libraries, you can often start in code.py and make sure that your code works and then get it working in the library and perhaps um, you know, simplify it or, or turn it into a couple of different functions if that makes sense um, and so on and so forth. Um, and that is true what, what Zarnlin said. Uh, you may have to translate data sheets. There are definitely data sheets that are not in your native language. Definitely. And I will uh, give my, my stamp of approval as well on starting your library in code.py. So for folks uh, that have watched the deep dive before, or if you watch my streams on Saturday mornings, I also stream. Uh, a lot of times what I end up working on are display.io helper libraries, and that is the exact way that I start them. I will start writing my code in code.py first, um, you know, get things working how I want, and then kind of refactor it over into its own file in a library. Uh, and there, I will mention also a quick uh, sneak preview, I guess, of the of the last slide here. There is some uh, information on creating libraries on the last one, so we will get to a little bit more as well. Um, I'll pull up this learn guide page though. So this is for folks who want to contribute to existing libraries. Um, this is this one is less about making new ones and more about uh, contributing to the ones that already exist. But we'll talk about creating them on the next page as well. Uh, so just like with everything, um, there is a learn guide for it. So this learn guide here is how to contribute uh, with uh, contribute to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub. This one is written kind of in the context of contributing to the core partially, but the process is pretty much the same for contributing to libraries. So uh, this guy it was, is... It's written, it's written to contribute to a library. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, I missed Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, it, it, it will apply to the core as well. Uh, however, the, the actual examples oh, yeah. are um, applied to a library. Nice. Okay. Uh, and I, I reference this guide all the time. There's lots of stuff. This one and the another guide that we'll look at in just a minute, the uh, the sharing um, sharing your library guide, I reference like constantly while I'm working on new libraries. Um, this one will show you how to get set up with GitHub, uh, how to do things like you know add your files into your repository, commit, uh, push them, and then make pull requests. Right. This is the process that you go through when you want to um, you know essentially offer up a new change to a library. 
um, to give you a, a quick sort of breakdown timeline of how that works. So like, let's say you want to add a new feature to a particular library. Uh, you're going to go to GitHub, you're going to clone that library down to your computer. That's basically just downloading a copy of it, uh, but downloading it in a special way where you're going to be able to push it back up to GitHub. Uh, you want to make a fork of it. I probably should have mentioned first, make a fork of it is going to be basically making a copy of that library under your own uh, GitHub account. So all of the libraries, all the Adafruit ones are hosted inside of the Adafruit account. If you're making your own uh, update to a library, then you'll fork it, which is basically gonna make a copy under your own account. So like for me, I would fork a library and then it would make a copy under github.com slash foamy guy. Uh, so you'll make a fork then you clone it. That's gonna download it to your local computer. You make your changes to it. So code up whatever new feature you want or code up a bug fix or anything like that. Um, and then you're gonna commit it. Um, and the, all these steps are laid out and it shows you how to do them on all these different pages here. But you, you commit it and then you push it. That's gonna get it up back into GitHub, but it will be under your own account. Um, so that's gonna push your updated version into your copy. And then from there you do what's called making a pull request. You go back to the Adafruit version of that repository and you create a pull request that says, hey, I created this uh, new feature and I wanna you know, suggest that we add it to the main library. So you create that pull request and then that kicks off the review process. Some of the CircuitPython librarians, uh, which is the review team, they will come by, they'll see your pull request. Uh, they'll look at the code changes, they'll test it out, they'll decide, you know, if, if there's anything that needs to be changed from it, um, you know, they'll work through it uh, with you through that review process, let you know if there's anything that you need to change before it's ready or anything like that. Uh, and then finally, once everything is looking good and it's been tested and everything's good to go, it will get merged in. Uh, and so at that point, it's basically adding, um, you know, your changed version to the main real, you know, central uh, Adafruit version of that repository. So that uh, merge will then bring your changed code into the official library so that everyone else gets it whenever they download that uh, Adafruit library. I will add one caveat there for the libraries that are frozen into uh, various CircuitPython builds, we're very careful about adding significant amounts of code because it does increase the size of the CircuitPython build and sometimes makes it too big for a given board. So if you are concerned about that, one thing you can do is file an issue on GitHub and ask, you know, I want to make this change. Is this a good, you know, change to submit? And then one of us will be able to reply to you and tell you like, you know, maybe not because this is a frozen library or say maybe so because it's, you know, it's not and it's, it's an excellent change and so on and so forth. Um, but don't feel no, never feel bad if it turns out it's a frozen library and we can't actually accept the change because it becomes too big. We often suggest making helper libraries that contain new features or advanced libraries that contain new features that can be added um, to boards that things aren't frozen into. Yeah, definitely. A uh, couple of questions that came through on the uh, YouTube side. Axel asked, uh, if you get an error, like in a traceback, so you're running your code and it, it raises an exception, it crashes, and you look in the serial console to see what the error was, uh, inside that traceback, it will say something like, you know, line number 130 is where the problem occurred, and then it will tell you what type, what type of problem it was. Uh, and so the question was basically, if you're using the MPY version of those libraries, will that line number be accurate? Since the MPY version is compiled, all those lines are not technically in there. We saw I opened it up in the text and it was all kind of gobbledygook stuff. 
Um, uh, but to the best of my knowledge, the answer is yes. That line number, I have no idea how it works, but somehow it is able to find uh, the correct actual Python line number. So even if you're using the MPY file, if you go and look at the plain text, the .py file, um, the line number should match up in the traceback. It should point you to the correct line inside the Python file, even though it's actually using the compressed one. Or compiled one, I should say. Uh, Zarnalin on Discord asks, can you have other .py, uh, .py files in the root that you import in your code so that you don't have a big monolithic file? Uh, and yes. Uh, definitely you can. So you can um, you can refactor your own code into separate py files. Uh, sometimes people will even put like all of their main code in a separate file and then inside CodePy it will just basically have like one line that says import this other file. Um, some people like that workflow, you can do that. Um, you can have a higher level thing where there's some projects where it's like a, a project switcher. Uh, there's one of these I think for MagTag in the learn guide system if folks want to find it in there where uh, you, you kind of keep different projects all in their own Python files and then inside CodePy, it has some logic that has a couple of buttons or something like that that allows you to select which project you want to run. Uh, and the way that that works is basically exactly like what you're talking about. Those projects are in their own files and then inside of CodePy, it imports them from there, which causes it to get executed. Um, so yeah, great question. Uh, secrets.py is another good example uh, of keeping stuff out of your code pie but still being able to use it in your code. Um, Palette pie I'm not familiar with or localization really. Uh, Ask Patrick links some good reading for MPY files. Okay. Uh, so let's see, getting back to here. Yeah, this is a great place to go if you do want to uh, get started contributing to libraries, if you want to make changes and stuff like that. Also definitely encourage you to, to join us on the Discord. Lots of the folks in the chat here obviously are already on the Discord. Uh, but for folks that are watching along and don't know, there's also a CircuitPython dev channel, which is where we uh, talk about all things related to development, both the core of CircuitPython and the libraries. So if you want to get involved, you can head there and go to the CircuitPython dev room uh, and just hang out there, uh, read what people are working on, you know, ask questions, put what you're working on, um, all of that kind of stuff you can do. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so uh, we talked about the process for contributing. The you know part of that process is the review process, um, and I have a, a separate link here, which is actually just a sub page of this first guide. But I figured it'd be good to link to it uh, directly as well. So this page tells you about the review process. Move embeds. I'll do that, and then I'll show you an actual live example of this. I was just working on a library this week, and it has some reviews on it. So I'll pull that up as well, and we'll take a quick look at it. Uh, but this is the page that's talking about giving a review. Um, so this is actually another way that you can help get involved. If, you, if you're not quite ready uh, to start making your own code, um, this is something that you can do even before you start um, you know, actually writing Python code and contributing to libraries, is you can review. Uh, you can go and look at the open PRs. Uh, I'll point out a good place to find those is on circuitpython.org under contributing right here. Uh, here is a list of all the open pull requests. So you can uh, click the links on this page in order to go into the pull requests. Uh, and then you can actually le uh, leave the reviews in here. Uh, so this one happens to be a draft, but this is what a, a pull request looks like on GitHub. And there's a place to leave comments down here. Uh, and this is what this is what reviewing is. You basically come to this PR page, you put, um, you know, you try out whatever it is, you look at the changes, you know, look at the code here, uh, you download this, this particular branch, this proposed change, download it, run it on your device, test it out, uh, look at the code changes, you know, find typos even, documentation, things like that. All, all of that stuff is um, just as important and just as helpful as writing actual code. So 
Uh, you look through here and then if everything looks good, there's this review changes right here, which has an approve inside of it. You can leave an approve, you can put a comment if you want, uh, or if you find something where you think maybe it should be changed, uh, you can do a request changes. So you do request changes, you type in, you say, hey, uh, you know, I noticed a typo right here on this particular line. Um, I think we should change this word to something else or whatever. And you could leave that as a comment here. Then the person who made the pull request will get a notification that says, you know, somebody reviewed your changes uh, and they left you a, a requested change for something else that you should do. Um, yeah, Toddbot, I, I definitely second what Toddbot says, which is testing PRs on the hardware is always very much uh, welcome and appreciated for sure. That's that's one of the easiest things you can do as like a, a community member to start getting involved is just load up these pull requests. And if you have the hardware for it, you know, download it and run it on your device. Um, not only is it helping us out by reviewing the pull requests, but it's helping you out because you kind of learn. Honestly, that's how I learned a lot of what I have amassed about CircuitPython is doing testing like that. Uh, you know, people either bring problems into the help with room or people, um, you know, submit pull requests like we're talking about. And I will go and test out those things and try to work through the problems with them. And um, this is a great way to learn, um, you know, learn all the different things that you need to know to get into this stuff. That's reviewing. And I'll pull up this one. This is one that I just worked on recently. If anyone is interested in a, a specific example, this is that VC0706, the library that we were looking at earlier. Um, and this was a pull request to add typing information, which is one of the uh, more recent sort of efforts we have across the libraries, um, is adding typing information to all of them. Uh, so this is one that I filled in. I created the pull request. I went through that whole process that I talked about before, forking and, and, and committing and um, making the pull request and all that stuff. And then Tectric, who we mentioned before as well, uh, who's been doing lots of great work across a bunch of libraries, uh, was kind enough to review this for me. So he found a couple of things that I didn't uh, do correctly the first time, uh, which is awesome. You know, more folks looking at this means more chances that we're gonna catch those errors, those bugs before they get published. Uh, so Tectric uh, looked this over, found a couple of places where I should have done stuff differently, left some comments, uh, you know, those uh, requested changes about it, like, hey, this one could be a different type. Um, that sort of stuff. And then I went through, uh, found all of their requested changes, um, and then made them, pushed them, asked them again, you know, hey, when you have a chance, can you look over this again? And he did. Uh, so, you know, he came back, this was even earlier today, uh, and came back and approved it. So now these changes look good, they're ready to be merged. Uh, or if, you know, we want to get more reviewers, we can have more reviewers look it over as well. Um, good first issues, I'll point out as well. This is a great place for folks that do want to get started. Um, this is kind of once you're past the reviewing stage and you actually want to get started writing your own code and submitting changes, this is kind of the next level up, basically. Uh, and this is the, the good first issues. And so this is, again, on circuitpython.org, contributing. Uh, and then this is over on the open issues tab. And then there's a drop down right here um, that has a couple of different labels or categories of issues. And I went directly to label good first issue. Uh, in my address up here, but you can, of course, just pick whichever one you want out of this dropdown. Good first issue is where we put all the ones that are kind of the most basic. These are good for folks who are just beginning to get involved in CircuitPython. You don't necessarily need a huge, um, you know, a huge amount of experience with Python or CircuitPython. These are things that are relatively easy to do. And of course, we're always willing to help folks in all the various uh, different places, you know, either on GitHub or in the Discord, if folks want to tackle these things. Um, and you need to know more in order to do it, um, you can always reach out in those places and we're happy to help. Lots of the good first issues that exist right now are these typing annotation ones like I was just talking about. Um, 
for was it Hacktoberfest? We we created all of these issues for uh, the type annotations across all the libraries. So we created like two or three hundred of these open issues. We've actually gotten a, a fair number of them knocked out. And Tectric, again, I will say huge, huge thanks and hug report to Tectric. Uh, he has done a bunch of these things. I think we're down, uh, I think we have like a hundred or so done. Uh, the number is not listed on this page. I saw it somewhere the other day though, but we're, we're uh, narrowing in. We certainly still have a lot to do, but we have knocked out a huge chunk of them. Uh, but this is a great place to start. I also recently published a, uh, a video on YouTube that shows the process of adding these uh, type hints to the library. Um, so if you're interested in getting involved in this way, you can check out that YouTube video that I added types to that VC0706 uh, library in the video and showed you, you know, going through it and how I, how I found the types, how I uh, typed them in, what syntax to use, all that kind of stuff. And another thing is we try to make the good first issues um, as thorough as possible so that you don't have to really understand much to be able to actually complete it, including um, I just created one that has exactly what the fix is in it um, because I didn't have time to complete the fix, but I think it's on matrix or I don't remember. Um, it was a documentation issue uh, where Sphinx was not, um, oh, it's right above it. It's in Macropad. Nice. That's it right there. And it has the fix in it. Um, and basically says, if that's not clear, here's how to do it. So that good first issue is a good example of one that goes through and actually explains. And all the typing annotation ones are pretty thorough as well, where they explain exactly what needs to be done. Um, and that way, you know, you don't have to exactly figure anything out. You can just go in and, and do what's explained and um, complete the fix. Yep. Yeah, so if anybody out there is new and wants to get involved, this is a good... A uh, good one to, to start off with, try and tackle if folks are interested in that. And again, if you need help, you can reach out on the Discord or, or leave a comment back on that um, issue there. And we're always, always going to be happy to help folks out. Um, which gets us to the last uh, couple things that I had pulled up to talk about, which is creating and sharing your own libraries. So we talked about contributing to existing libraries. Um, this is more about creating your own new library. So if you have an idea for a library and you want to uh, create it and submit it either to like the community bundle or if it's for a piece of Adafruit hardware, it could get submitted to the Adafruit bundle. Um, this is the stuff that is going to help you do that. So uh, first thing I have is a link to, again, yet another learn guide. There's a learn guide for everything. Uh, this one is about creating and sharing a CircuitPython library. And again, it's got a bunch of these different pages that walk you through the, the entire process. It'll help you get everything you need installed. It will tell you exactly what commands to run, exactly how to do everything, uh, explain in detail what each step is going to do and, and um, you know how they all work together to end up with a nice uh, library at the end of it, which you can then push onto GitHub. Uh, and then the process of actually adding it to the bundle is actually just creating a pull request. So the exact same way that you submit a change uh, for a particular library, uh, which is creating a pull request, you do the same thing if you want to add your library to the bundle. Um, this is a great guide. Again, I am constantly coming back to this guide and referencing different stuff in it. Um, a couple of the things that this guide talks about are some of the sort of ancillary tools that we use uh, in all of the Adafruit libraries. Um, things that get run automatically by the GitHub Actions. Um, oftentimes this is referred to as CI, continuous integration, I think is that. 
uh, acronym. This is basically those tasks that run automatically whenever you make a commit or whenever you make a release. Um, those are all powered by GitHub Actions. Uh, and we use a couple of different tools for all of our libraries to keep them uh, all similar and um, you know up to like up to date and just like the same across the board as much as they can be. So uh, we have it run uh, both Pylint, uh, which is a utility that kind of looks for Python code that is not as good as it could be. There are certain best practices where like you can code it this way, but it's actually you know it's better to code it this other way. Uh, Pylint basically is an enforcer tool that goes through and um, and does that. I think the name lint is like shaking the lint out of something or, you know, turning your pocket inside out to get the lint out of it. Um, I think that's kind of where the name comes from. Um, and so Pylint gets run. And if, if Pylint reports any problems with your library, then you, you know, you go through and you look at each problem and you fix it. Sometimes it'll just be like, hey, uh, this variable could have a better name or, you know, there could be, a, you, you should use parentheses here or you shouldn't use parentheses here or something like that. Um, so Pylint will do those checks. And then there's also the black uh, code formatting. Uh, so this is a Python code formatting tool. Uh, you run this tool against a Python file, uh, and it will go through the file and basically reformat it to a standardized format. It will add new lines wherever it needs them. Uh, it, it will break things into multiple lines if it needs. Um, there's you know a bunch of different rules. Again, best practices, so to speak. Uh, the folks who created this project decided you know this is the way that you can write your Python code to have it. Uh, come out the most manageable, basically. And so this enforces all of those rules. And these are two of the things that run uh, on all of our libraries. And uh, what we do is we actually use this other utility called pre-commit, which uh, allows it to run all these things at once. So uh, pilot and black are the individual checks, but then pre-commit kind of compiles a bunch of those checks into one command uh, and runs them all at once and then spits out the output for you. So I could actually... Very, very quickly, I could show you pre-commit, uh, pre-commit. Also note that black doesn't do functional changes. Um, it's only uh, formatting changes. And at times, uh, pilot will actually require functional changes. Yep. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, when black runs, uh, the code will change, but everything will function the same. Whereas pilot, like... You know, Pilot might tell you to change a variable name, for instance, and of course you would need to change that variable everywhere where it appears. Um, and so you can see here we run pre-commit and it runs all the checks. We have a couple of different ones, including the black and the Pilot, like I talk about. Uh, we also have a couple more in there, like reuse is checking for licenses. There's one that checks uh, to make sure that there's a empty line at the end of all the files. Um, all of that different stuff happens inside the pre-commit checks. Uh, and then the, the last thing I had pulled up to talk about here was the, uh, the cookie cutter, which I think we've mentioned a few times. Um, but for folks that don't know, cookie cutter is a, uh, it's, a it's an external project. So Adafruit uh, did not create cookie cutter. This was created by a, a, a person out there in the world. They created this project called cookie cutter. And what it allows you to do is basically templatize your own projects. So uh, you create a set of templates um, that include all of the basic things you want in your own projects. And then you can run a command and it basically gives you a bunch, uh, a series of questions like yes or no, do you want to include this thing? Uh, you know, what, you know, what name do you want your project to be? What's the name of the author? All of that sort of stuff. It goes through a list of all these questions. Uh, and then at the end, once you have answered everything, uh, it will actually spit you out a, a built library. So obviously it's not going to have the code in it. You still need to write the code yourself. 
Uh, but all of the sort of meta files, the, the stuff that runs uh, GitHub workflows, the, the license files, the hooks, the tests, uh, the examples directory, the gitignore files, all of the sort of meta stuff that we include that's not necessarily like specifically code, um, this will actually create all of it for you. So this is a super good way if you do want to create your own library and you want to take uh, advantage of all the infrastructure stuff that's set up, like uh, the GitHub Actions, um, the docs building uh, that gets pushed up to read the docs, all that sort of stuff. If you build your library with this cookie cutter tool, you'll get all of that stuff for free, essentially. You answer all the right questions during the prompts, uh, and then you don't have to worry about going out and actually finding all of these different things and copying it in. Uh, and your library will be set up the exact same way as all the ones that we build uh, and put in the, the Adafruit library bundle as well. Um, and I'll show you quickly... I think we can even run one real quick. So I'll, uh, I, and again, I reference this page all the time. So I don't actually have this command memorized, but I know where to find it, which is on uh, creating a library. This page actually talks about cookie cutter and all the different files it creates. So if you're interested in all those specific files, there's a big list of them here you can look through. Uh, this page also has the command on here, down here. Here's how you get it installed. Here's how you run it. This is another command line tool. Uh, so you just copy it out of here, or maybe this is easier. Run it in a terminal. Uh, I will just, doesn't really matter which terminal we run it in. I'll go up to here. We'll paste it to run. And so it just asks me all these questions. So the first one, it's like, hey, we downloaded this before, uh, but there might be an updated version. Is it okay to go ahead and download it again? Yep, let's do yes. That way, it's always good to use the most up-to-date version. First question, which bundle are you targeting? Adafruit bundle, community bundle, or CircuitPython.org bundle? So let's say I'm making my own new library uh, that I'm going to submit to the community bundle. So I just choose two, the number two for the community bundle. Uh, GitHub user. So I'm making my own personal library. My GitHub username is FoamyGuy. So I'm going to fill that in. Author name, I'm going to put my name. Company, uh, I'll just put FoamyGuy usually for the company as well. Uh, for Adafruit, of course, this would say like Adafruit Industries here. The library name, let's say uh, deep dive example library, example library. You put whatever the name is here, you use the shortest name and it will kind of append a couple of, or prepend, I should say, a couple of things to it if you want it to. Library description, so you type in a brief description, uh, an example of using cookie cutter. Keywords, these are things that will help the library come up in GitHub searches. So I'll just do something, uh, some basic ones like example and library maybe and cookie cutter. If you're writing a library for a specific driver or a specific type of thing, you know, you can include like accelerometer or anything like that in here uh, just to make it easier to find the library. Uh, prefix, this question, all the Adafruit libraries, we prefix all of them with uh, Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore. So that prefix is on the name of all the official Adafruit libraries. Uh, and so if you were building for the Adafruit bundle, then that's what you would put here. And it even actually prompts you automatically. This tool is uh, smart enough to adjust the future questions and the default values based on the previous ones. So the fact that we chose community here uh, determines what some of the default values for the rest of these will be. If we had chose Adafruit, um, then the default values actually get built in for us. So for prefix for my own library, I'll just put foamy guy, kind of you know mimic that same idea of pre prefixing it with the entity that created it. Uh, if it's an Adafruit library and it's for a specific prod product, you would include the product ID here. This one's just an example, and let's say it's going to be a helper library used on many different devices. So there is no one specific product, so we'll just uh, blank on that one. 
Uh, does it require bus device? So if it uses I2C or SPY for communication, then it will require a bus device. So let's say yes. Uh, same thing for register. If it's going to use I2C or SPY, then it's probably going to need register. We'll put yes for that. Any other requirements? So this is where you would list other libraries that are required by yours. You remember back to when I showed uh, Circup installing PyPortal, it installed uh, or it noticed a bunch of those other requirements that it prompted us about. Um, this is where those essentially get entered. So if you need other libraries for this one to work, you list them here. For now, I'll leave it blank. Uh, do we want to release it on PyPy? I'm going to say yes. Do we want to make Sphinx documentation for it? I'm going to say yes again. But to Katni's point earlier, this is optional. If you're making your own library and you don't necessarily care about deploying it with PyPy or you don't necessarily want to uh, make your own documentation pages and put them on read the docs, uh, then you can keep the defaults of no here as well. So you have lots of opportunity to kind of customize. Um, and then at this point, it will create basically this library for us. So if we go back into my folder where I ran that, and we find deep dive we have here, Foamy Guy, CircuitPython, deep dive example library. So it created all of this for us. And you can see there's a bunch of files in here, license files, readme files, requirements, setup pi, Git ignore, you know, pylint RC, read the docs, YAML, GitHub for the workflow, action stuff, examples folder, licenses folder, all of this stuff got created automatically by this cookie cutter tool. Um, so this is, whenever we sit down to start a new library, this is how we do it. We run this tool, we answer all the prompts, we get that outputted, um, you know, sort of starter library, and then we fill in the code and push it up to GitHub and go from there. Uh, let's see here, I'll catch up a little bit. Uh, cookie cutter roller. Oh yeah, those cookies are awesome looking. I will note too that the cookie cutter repository um, has the the README um, covers, I believe, um, more towards the Adafruit bundle, um, but it looks like it's got pretty much everything you just went through. So it might actually have um, prompts available for all the bundles. Um, so if you're unsure what a particular prompt means, check the README on the repository for cookie cutter Adafruit Circuit Python, and it, it has a quick explanation for each one of the prompts. Yep, and that's in this um, creating and sharing a library, I think. Or is there a separate one for cookie cutter? Oh, I think it's in there as well, um, but it's in the README for the repository as well. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, Adafruit cookie cutter, Adafruit cookie cutter. Find this one on GitHub as well. This is also just a repository hosted on GitHub. In the README here is where it explains some of that stuff. So yeah, here's all the all the prompts in order. Tells you exactly what each one is. Uh, so this is a good place to reference as well. Um, an icon for cookie cutter. We should we we could probably make a little character for cookie cutter. That'd be kind of nice. Um, but I think. That is everything I wanted to cover. So we have a couple of minutes. I think we'll try to cut it around six. So we have about four or five minutes. If anybody has any other questions, um, drop them in the chat now. Uh, Katni, if there's anything else you want to tell the folks about, um, now is the time. Maybe I guess we should mention PyCon. Um, oh, yes. So uh, PyCon 2022 is coming up. Uh, it's being hosted in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, it's in two weeks from yesterday. And uh, three of the Adafruit folks will be there, um, Jeff, Melissa, and myself. And we will be hosting open spaces. We will be hosting two days of sprints. And I'm giving a talk for the Education Summit on CircuitPython, uh, learning with CircuitPython. And I'll also be hosting a mini sprint 
for the education summit as well, which is pretty much uh, just having folks get um, comfortable with using CircuitPython. It's not about development. Um, the sprints after the conference are more about uh, development and coding. Um, the open spaces, again, are during the conference itself. And those are, um, I will have a bunch of uh, CircuitPython hardware with me, and we'll be able to show folks how to get started using CircuitPython on the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit with a ton of examples and a ton of extra hardware to hook up so that when folks get through the basic examples, they've still got plenty to do. Um, other than that, we will be around. So if anyone is attending PyCon, please let us know on uh, Discord is probably ideal in the CircuitPython dev channel or the Help with CircuitPython channel. Either one works. And uh, make sure that we get a chance to meet up. Yeah, definitely. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. I will not be there this year, but it does sound like a lot of fun. And I know there's lots of folks who that is their first experience getting involved in the community. I've heard from a couple of different folks where their first um, their first experience in CircuitPython was working in these sprints at PyCons in years past. Um, so this is a great a great place to um, and get your feet wet and get involved with folks with with the folks who are the most knowledgeable about it around to help you out. We've actually recruited at least one person from the development sprints um so that's you know that's where they got involved and um just ran with it from there and then uh ended up joining us um eventually uh as a paid intern um so yeah definitely um if you're there find me and uh i'll have tons of circuit python stuff to play with um and uh, my plan is more to jam out on hallway track, which is uh, mostly hanging out and getting to know folks um, throughout the conference and then hosting the sprints. Nice, all right. So uh, we didn't get any other questions. So I think uh, we are about ready to wrap up. So thank you to everyone who watched. Um, anybody who wants to get involved with any of the stuff we worked on, please uh, come over to the Discord. That's the, the easiest place to start getting involved. Uh, thank you to everyone who has contributed everything. And um, yeah, this has been the, the deep dive about libraries. Uh, if you're interested in um, the development side of actually watching someone code libraries, I will say normally that's what I'm doing in this deep dive time slot. Today was kind of the, the odd stream out, if you will. We, we wanted to talk about libraries and have Katni here and have this discussion. Uh, but ordinarily in this time slot, Deep Dive, um, since I've been doing it, at least it's me coding, uh, generally coding library stuff. So if you're interested in seeing the uh, seeing work on that, then come back next week at this time. Uh, and I will mention also that I do stream on Saturday mornings as well at 10 a.m. Central Time, which is... 16 hours from right now. I keep telling myself I'm going to get a countdown thing that I can just pull up quickly, but I still haven't done it yet. But uh, no matter which time zone you're in, 16 hours from right now, if you come back to this live broadcast chat, I will drop a link uh, and I'll be working on some kind of CircuitPython library tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, thank you, uh, Ask Patrick W and uh, everybody else who watched. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>